podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Brianna. I'm Amanda. And hello again. Welcome. What is this, 27? Yes, ma'am. Yep. 27. All right, that's, that's cool. We're, we're full adults. 20s, you know. Cool. How are you right guys? now is about the time where we start hating our lives. Oh, I thought that was at 26. I mean, for me, it was at two, so. I actually thought it was more like, this is the time where you start appreciating your parents more. I appreciate my parents. I said they more. I appreciate the hell out of mine because one of mine died. So it taught me to yeah. appreciate your parents even more. I'm sorry about that. It's I okay. appreciate my parents, but I am also still a sassy little asshole. So you're <laughs> welcome, Dad. All right. Any updates? Um, I did a lot of laundry. Cool. Yeah, she was telling me about it when your internet went out. She did a lot. Yeah, it took me like two days because I got like really behind when we were sick. Mm. And some of it's still sitting on the couch, but it's folded. Well, I think that's that's what counts. The most important folded. part. <laughs> well, I don't know if you guys noticed because I noticed we have a new state. Oh, no. That's just back there. Good try, though. We have a new state. Which one? Uh, New Mexico. Oh, it's a fun one. Thank you for joining the Hellion Battalion. Is that what we're called? The ranks? What do we call that? Battalion? (laughs) What the fuck is that? The layers? I don't know. I don't know. Um, What do you guys want to be part of? Like a a cult? A cult. We're we're not a cult, y'all. Chill the fuck out. We can chill, chill, out. We want. chill out. You know what? Let us dream. Yeah. No. So I'm I'm sorry. I am not allowing it. I am for those of you that don't care. Down. Just let me and Amanda know you'll be part of our cult. Uh, yeah. Amanda calls it something else. Brie. Brie calls it something else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was multitasking. I shouldn't be. Um, did we already have South Carolina? I don't think we have South Carolina, but that one might be new. I can't remember. Listen, y'all, there's too many of you. I can't keep track anymore. And my map's behind me. So, anyways, that's your update. That's the other thing I did this week. I hung a map up. Mine is literally right over here. (laughs) Mm. Mine's right there. It's just not in a good spot for you to see it all the time. So, all right. Well, I guess Amanda has, like, an extra long story this week. So, I guess we should get started. Please. uh, I don't want to be listening to Amanda talk for an hour and a half. No offense. It's going to be 14 and a half I love you. So however long that takes me. um, I kind of did a little bit of a deep dive, but I really feel like y'all are going to like. I'm excited. I'm sorry. I just saw one of the pictures and I'm already excited. (laughs) Wait, did you just look at it and think that you're excited or you looked at it and you actually know it? Um. I, I just think I'm excited because of his mustache. <laughs> same. Oh my gosh, I thought the same thing. Okay, so have either of y'all heard of the story of Tall Hot Blonde? A little bit, not a lot. No. Okay, well, uh, y'all know that my answer will always be no. So This runs deep today, okay? So we're going to go all the way back, May 5th, 2005, in New York State. Marine Sniper is the... Screen name, handle, whatever you want to call it. Marine Sniper is a screen name, online and chatting, playing games on Pogo.com. And Pogo is a website where you can play anything. Chinese checkers, 
something uh, Plinko related. I don't know. Like, you name it, it's there. You know, Plinko? I feel like I've heard of Pogo.com. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's still there today. I'm Googling. Mm-hmm. It's still like up and running. You can it's play games. It's kind of like minigames.com, right? Like it has its own version of those games, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm for sure playing this while you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know my high score at the end. Well, while you're playing, I don't know if they have changed it, but back in 2005, you could chat with people, strangers, friends can get on, you know, together like we've done before and played together. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Chat and just play games. Marine Sniper, he was specifically playing poker and blackjack. Those were his two that he really, really liked. I was going to look those up, but I'm not good at those games. So oh, I love those. I was literally raised on them. We used to play them with penny poker after Christmas and Thanksgiving and stuff. It's a I'm, lot of fun. I'm so good at poker. Amanda, I bet I could beat you, <laughs> even though you, <laughs> even though you grew up with it. It's so much fun. I literally love it. I think I'm it's like a play Mahjong. What? Mahjong. Mahjong's I'm just also play Mahjong. sturdy what? choice. You you keep talking at the same time. I can't understand y'all. Okay, ready, Amanda. One, two, three, start. Talk. Just go. <laughs> Mahjong. 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 <laughs> Mahjong. I've never heard of that. I bet you have, and you just don't realize that you have. It's the one where you have to match the tiles. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I know what you're talking about. Well, that specific night on May 5th, I I wanted to say September, on May 5th, Marine Sniper is playing games, talking to people, and all of a sudden he gets a private message from someone with the screen name Tall Hot Blonde. She messaged him and basically was like, hey, just letting you know you're in the wrong chat room. This chat room is for kids and teenagers. And he's like, no, I'm a kid. And he explained to her that he was 18 years old. His profile said he was in his 40s, but he was on his dad's account. Well, the tall, hot blonde, she's also 18. So, oh, cool. We got something in common. They start talking. Now, Thomas, or Tommy, as he introduced himself, he's 18 years old. He's supposed to be deployed to Iraq soon with the Marines. He's six foot tall. He's got bright red hair, big muscles, broad shoulders was something that was specified. And Jesse, or tall, hot blonde. She is also 18. She's a high school senior. She's getting ready to graduate. She's athletic. She plays basketball and soccer ball and soccer. Softball. Jesus. Can you get it right? Do you know the difference is the real question, Amanda? I have no idea where soccer ball come from. I okay. just really wanted her to play soccer too. <laughs> she played basketball and softball. And she was gorgeous. She was literally a tall, hot blonde. And she sent multiple photos of herself. These are just a couple that I got. Some of them looked like senior portraits. They were professional, obviously professionally done. There were bikini pictures or pictures of her playing sports. And for some reason, she also felt the need to tell Tommy that she was a virgin. Oh, so it's getting spicy already. Yes. I literally have my next bullet is sprinkle some Tabasco on there because it got spicy. (laughs) And obviously this came up because they are, they're starting to get to know one another. They're starting to like each other. You know, it gets a little flirty. They keep talking and pretty quickly they started cyber sexing. Bree, do you know what this is? Yes. Everyone knows what sexting is. And I just wanted to be sure because this was like 
This was old school. This was in my prime that people did this. Listen, Brie. I was still a little too young, but. (laughs) Sometimes, Brie, we say something and we're really shocked that you're like, what's that? (laughs) And then we also get really shocked when you go, but I'm a millennial. And we're like, no, you are not. (laughs) Okay, but literally half the things that y'all talk about my sister wouldn't know. And she's a millennial. She was born in 96. So she's a barely millennial. Yeah, she is a a mini millennial. A mini and She is actually she is mini. Well, she's fun sized. Still trying to work she's, out how to she's say five that. foot. Mini lineal. And she is twenty-five. She's a mini millennial. Yeah. She's a mini annual. Little mini annual. She's a little lineal. A mini annual. A little lineal. I can't do that. Mini annual. I love that. <laughs> mini annual. What the Listen. hell are we talking about? Okay, keep going. <laughs> I, I seriously forgot where I was. Okay, Sexy. so they start cyber sexing. And the photos that Jesse started sending, they get uh, progressively more scandalous and provocative. And Wait, Tommy, isn't that what sexting does, though? Like that's, I'm... Well, she never, from my understanding, she never actually sent anything nude. He never got anything oh, okay. like that. But they were. She started sending like less clothes, like more bikinis and I guess suggestive pictures, stuff like that. Okay, I got you. I see what you're saying. Still very innocent in a way. Now, Tommy, he he would keep sending her his military pictures. I mean, that's really all he had. So he sent her like a picture of him in dress. And then he sent him or she he also sent her the one like random ones where he's just doing stuff on base, hanging out, moving boxes. In dress, not in a dress. I know. <laughs> I know you didn't say in a dress. Okay. But I mean, don't you still, like, that was the time of the selfies, like the flip phone selfies, wasn't it? I was about 15, so yeah. So. Had them. And I feel like by then it was pretty popular to have one, like as an adult. So how did he not have more pictures? One, he's maybe uh, he's getting ready. Maybe he just wasn't a selfie guy. Come on, Bryce. Yeah, but not I all, feel like not all people are selfie people. Look, I'm not a selfie people. That's fine. I'm just saying, like, if you have someone that's like, send me a picture, and maybe this is just like the catfish thing that you know we've gone through in this day and age. Like, if you're not gonna send me a damn updated picture, you're catfish. Done. You're not who you say you are. A lot of it he got away with because he was either preparing. He was active. Marines. He was either preparing for war or um or getting ready to deploy is what it was, what he was telling her. And at some point of their relationship, he actually was deployed. So he when they would talk, they would only talk from like it was like three ten to three thirty in the afternoon and then like six ten to six thirty in the morning. Yes. Why do I feel like this is all a lie? I don't know. Why do you feel like this is all a lie? Like, well, I guess my, the military portion I'm feeling like is sketchy. It's probably because of that first picture with the, mon- the man in the mustache. I have a feeling he's got something to do with it. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. He would also tell her bits and pieces about his dark missions, but he couldn't tell her everything because obviously he signed an NDA and he cannot. I'm not buying his crap, not for one second. He would also tell her how they were getting ready to deploy, and he's so excited, stuff like that. They talked 
every single night. They made sure to talk some way, somehow, most of the time through chats, but they would, there were mentions of text messages and phone calls too. So after a couple months, they're already saying, I love you. And uh, Jesse even talked to Tommy's dad a couple times because at where we're at right now, Tommy is over in Iraq and he can't tell people where he is, so he can't get her mail. But he said his dad has sources in Iraq that if Jesse mails his dad the letters, then his dad will be able to get them to Tommy. So he's kind of like the mediator here. During this time, uh, Jesse even talked to Tommy's dad a couple times. And he basically told her, he's like, you need to stay away from my son. You're no good for him. And she's like, but I love him. And he don't care. He just keeps telling her, like, stay away from him. But then he also keeps sending these packages to his son, too. So kind of like, which one is it here? And he sent multiple, like, packages, handwritten letters. They're, like, sending, sending stuff. Yeah. I'm so confused. How is it stay away from my son, but also, JK, I'll send all these letters and packages to him for you? Yeah. That, that's exactly what I was going to touch on. I feel like I totally understand one thing, saying, like, I don't want you talking to my son, like, you're not good for him, all that stuff. But not giving your son his own mail, regardless of who it's from, regardless if you disapprove, I feel like that's just kind of disrespectful. You know, like you, it's, it, it's your son at the end of the day. Like he can choose who he wants to choose it. It doesn't. But it sounds like the packages are getting to him. Yeah. So it's not like he's withholding, he's giving the packages to his mm -hmm. son, even though he's over here like, how dare you, you're bad for my son. That makes no fucking yeah. sense. He could like easily if, be like, I don't approve of this. I'm not sending any more things. Right. Stop sending him things. Mm -hmm. I'm not sending them on to him. But that's not what's happening. That That's my whole point. I feel like it's just so disrespectful to not send but he is your sending son them. his packages. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Like, but it's also disrespectful to not send your son his packages regardless of who it's from you know and right, so that's what both of y'all are saying that's what both of y'all are saying is like if you disapprove of her then why are you still sending the packages and so that's my point i'm making well, no, the point that i just think that that's disrespectful if he doesn't send them you well, know it's not even that it's that he can say i will no longer pass these along so you need to find a different way to get these to him because i am not going to be a part of this so do not send me the packages if they get to me they will not be sent on to him like the, they, the dad has the right to do that. He does not by any means hypothetically have to send anything to his son. You he are, can just mail yeah. it back to her. Yeah, he can just send it back. Mm -hmm. he, do, he does not have to move it along to his child. Not saying that he's going to keep it, but he can also refuse to be a part in enabling that. Because if he's mm -hmm. saying, I don't want you, at, you're not good for my son. I don't want you a part of his life. Why is he enabling her to be a part of his life? Because that's what he's doing. Yeah, that's true. I get what now, you're saying. They would mail each other handwritten love letters, pictures, like physical pictures, instead of just emailing them or texting them. Uh, and Jesse sent some lacy panties and silky G-strings. 
She also sent a necklace that had Jesse and Tommy forever engraved on it. That must and, have cost that girl a fortune. Yeah, like they're like deep at this point. So by Christmas, the same year, Tommy proposed and Jesse said yes. And then Wait, Tommy but they haven't her, met in person. It doesn't matter. It Tommy does too matter. He sent her poinsettias and she sent him more panties. This is love. I'm sorry, poinsettias? It's poinsettias. Not, it's poinsettias? My mom has literally always pronounced it poinsettias. The, different people pronounce it different ways. It's mostly got to do with regional dialect. The letters now included gushing on Jesse's part. I'm sure Tommy probably did a little gushing too. But on Jesse's part, she started writing about how she's so nervous about their first time and how their first night together is going to be and how it won't be long until it's Jessica Blair Montgomery. You might and rethink that, sweetheart. So February 2006, we're into the next year now. Getting, getting, we've been in here for a while. Jesse gets a package in the mail from Tommy's address. And with it is a letter that says, Jesse, enclosed, you will find a picture of my family. Let me introduce you to these people. The man in the center is Tom, my husband. There is no Tommy. He's taking advantage of you. You need to be much more cautious about your safety. You will only be hurt by a man who has mastered the art of manipulation and lies. Do not trust words on a computer. Cindy. See, I fucking told you. The man with the mustache. Yes, the man with the mustache. Is Tommy or Thomas? I was not that judging. That breaks him. my heart that he literally proposed to her. Mm -hmm. That poor girl and that wife. That I mean, they're both probably just fucking heartbroken. Cindy literally came across one of the letters from Jesse. Like she just busted this wide open. She it actually said a package. So it was at least a letter, possibly some panties and photos in there, too. And I really respect her because she has every right to be devastated, pissed off, and she is. But she also took it from a really good point of view in being worried for Jesse instead of mad at her. Mm -hmm. And kind of still was like a mom about the whole thing. Yeah. True. She also said in her letter that she was the C. And the screen name TC Montgomery one that Thomas used to email Jesse. Mm, see, that's just dirty. He like used that... their shared email. Yeah. Yeah. She did say that she kind of had suspicions about Thomas before she found all this out because he would not get off the internet. Like she would ask him, you know, get off the computer or like, hey, come to bed. No, he just stayed up all night on the computer. And around this time, co-workers started saying that they knew something was up because Thomas would come to work and complain to a couple of people that Cindy kind of banished him to the basement. And he they were still living together, but they were not sleeping together. Which to me, be lucky she didn't just put your ass out, honestly. And you're going to go to work and complain that you have to sleep in the basement after cheating on your wife. Boo-hoo. With an 18-year-old. Did she know at the time that he was, because this was kind of during all of that, right? Or was it after? No, this is after she found the letter. After oh, she found okay. Out okay. And called him on it. All right. For her, though. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you call that rat bastard out. Yeah, shit. 
And at some point in time, it wasn't clear on when, a lot of the dates in this are not clear, but she did leave him a note, I assume, because she didn't want to talk to him. I don't blame you. And in the note, she said, what I cannot believe is that you were living out some bizarre fantasy as father and son. And she also said, if you want to separate, we can. But to continue to lie to me and the kids while she is sending your son gifts in the mail is not acceptable. Thomas Montgomery is a 46-year-old man. He was a machinist in a factory that made power tools called Dynabraid Corporation in Clarence, New York. Uh, he was also on the swim board for his 12- and 14-year-old daughter's swim team. He proposed to an 18-year-old. Sorry, will you please explain? I, I swam for literally 15 years, but what do you mean by he was on the swim board for his 12- and 14? It That doesn't make any sense to me. The swim team thing, he was, uh, like, you were asking what the board was. It never explained it, but it seemed to me like he was a coach. Like, maybe they just worded him something different. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, like, he, he, okay. he was really involved with their swim team. He was a Sunday school teacher. He was typically liked by his neighbors. They said sometimes he was a little awkward, but they didn't really have a problem with him. He was a Marine. 30 years prior to 2006, he was qualified as a sharpshooter, but he was never a sniper. And 2020 covered this case, and I couldn't find the actual, the whole video, but I was able to watch like little snippets of it. And in one of those snippets, they claimed that he never even saw action. He was a recovering alcoholic. He was also impotent, which led to problems with his marriage because him and Cindy... They were having problems in their marriage when he started doing all this. And he said that being Tommy was exciting. So it kind of, to be fair, I can understand that part. But also, end your marriage. Don't, mm -hmm. don't cheat on your wife. Maybe don't just barely skirt the legal minimum for age. Just some thoughts here on, from me. Thoughts from Amanda. Yes. I like it. Police would later, a uh, little spoiler alert there, they would later find a note in Tommy's locker at work. And that's that note. I think it's the, think it's it's the, the last, last picture. picture. Yeah. They found that note in his locker. And it was a New Year's resolution that he had written. And I guess kept it there to remind him. And it says, on January 2nd, 2006, Tom Montgomery, 46-year-old, ceases to exist. And is replaced by an 18-year-old battle-scarred Marine. All paperwork is set, i.e. birth certificate, social security card. He is strong, good-looking, battle-hardened boy. He has money in the bank, and you can't see it, but it goes on to say $2.5 And he has a 9-inch penis. Oh, damn. How is he going to fake all of that in person? I'm not sure. Okay. I've, I mean, my resolutions have never been this specific. Um, that seems like something I would fail at. Oh, for sure. Marie? I'm sorry. The, the dad wrote this, right? Yeah. Well, because there is no son. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So he was, he was like, this internet world to him was real. In his mind, he was two different people. And on January 2nd of 2006, I guess Thomas Montgomery is no more. And in his mind, he's an 18-year-old Tommy. 
So my guess is that he broke his wife, right? No. Fuck him! Oh my god, fuck him. I hate him. She did eventually divorce him. But go for her. Go you. You go, girl. What was her name again? Cindy. 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 Love Cindy. Cindy with a C. Girl, you go. You get it. Jesse. Now, Jesse was understandably heartbroken and betrayed. So she reaches out to one of Thomas's co workers named Brian. And that's the other guy. I think the second picture. I don't know. One of the pictures. It's a younger guy. It's the third picture. Okay. Okay. Thank you. She reached out to him because she knew they worked together. I guess they had kind of chatted together through Thomas, like all played a game together. And she basically asked him, is this for real? Is this true? Now, Brian, he went by the screen name Beefcake, which I just love. That's funny. Thomas had previously introduced him on Pogo, like I said. Now, Brian is 22 years old and he works part time at Dynabraid with Thomas. But he's also studying at Buffalo State College to be a teacher. He coached Little League. And one of my sources said that when the Little League season was over, he actually helped his dad coach soccer. So just super involved. Brian and Thomas, they were co-workers. They were poker buddies. They were friends. Um, Brian even had dinner with Thomas's family at one point. And this is why Jesse reached out and was like, is this for real? And Brian was like, Oh, shit. Yeah, that's true. Real sorry. He spent, like, all night consoling her, just making her feel better. He was shocked to find out not only that Thomas was dating this girl, but also that she was 18, and he told her he was 18. He was shocked. I don't think that came out clearly. Sorry. He was shocked that Thomas told Jesse that Thomas was 18. So... Him and Jesse, Brian and Jesse, start talking, and they realize like they have a lot in common. One's 18, one's 22. They're way closer in age. I think we know what's about to happen here with Brian and Jesse, you know, boy meets girl. They about to start a thing. Yes, they not not much longer after this, Jesse tells Thomas that she moved on to bigger and better. Well, fair. Yeah, honestly, like you didn't even have to tell him that girl. Just go, Fuck just leave him alone. Mm-hmm. Now, the, yeah, a little bit of a problem here. Jesse would give her passwords to Brian, and he would pretend to be Jesse and talk to Thomas and embarrass him later. Jesse and Brian started telling. Wait, so Jesse, the girl, would yes. give her new boy toy. Yes, Brian. Brian. Brian, her yes. internet passwords and Brian would get on and mess with Thomas. Correct. The old man. Okay. Yes. Because Thomas thought he was talking to Jesse. Jesse and Brian started telling people that Thomas is a pedophile. They started telling people that in the chat rooms. And Brian would tell their coworkers. That he was a pedophile. You know, he goes into these chats and he preys on younger girls. So Pogo suspended his account because of this. And people at work are just, I mean, you know how people at work are. His life is, yeah, his life is kind of in the shitter at this point. People that he knows, they don't want him around their children. He's just coming out looking real bad right now. And he deserves it. 
Yeah, I was going to say it's kind of his own doing. It's not like, Mm -hmm. this was so, so nothing that you could prevent. Dude, don't lie about your age. And don't prey on girls that don't want to be with you. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously she was telling you not to be. From the very beginning. Like, straight up, don't fucking lie about your age. Like, go on and... I mean, yeah, if somebody who's 18, obviously that's the legal age of consent. If somebody who's 18 finds your profile and wants to start talking to you, then so be it. But don't pretend that you're a younger version of yourself. Like, that's just fucked up. Well, here's the other part is she reached out to him to say, hey, this is for this chat that you're in is for kids. And he straight up lied. Mm -hmm. Like, that's my thing is like, it's not like she was like, oh, you're like. It wasn't like an, I don't care about age. This was a straight up like, hey, you're older. You probably shouldn't be in the site or in this part of the site. It's for kids. And then he just, oh, I am a kid. Like, what? Honestly, I'm kind of curious. How would this engagement have actually gone down or like the wedding have gone down if Thomas's wife didn't catch him? I'm so glad you asked. Really? Yeah. Now, Thomas, he's not doing real good right now because his his fucking world is colliding. His work world, his home life is crap. His internet is like his internet life, Tommy, everything. So this piece of shit is just stewing, okay? And then he does at some point make another screen name called uh, Tommy Loves West Virginia Fox, like W.V. Fox. I assume it's when this... Marine Sniper got suspended. That screen name is going to mean a lot more later. So just remember that. Uh, I won't. You'll have to remind me, but okay. So Brian and Jesse, they're getting along. They're ruining this dude's life. But behind the scenes, Jesse is still messaging Thomas. And they're still talking. They started over as friends. And but why? This just sounds like a bad idea. She sent chats that said, I ache to be with Tommy if he exists. If he existed, I would still be holding him every night and sharing dreams with him every night. But he, oh, God. Girl. Stop. Wait. Just to make... Brian sent those? No. Tom, uh, Jesse sent them to Thomas. Jesse. Well, yes. I mean, you said that sometimes Brian would go on Jesse's account. Yes, but those were literally from Jesse. Shit. Mm-hmm. She also promised Thomas that she was going to stop talking to Brian. She didn't. Her and Brian. What does she owe to him? Like, why does she need to promise him shit? Oh, I have no idea. But it's, this is all looking real dramatic for no reason to me right now. Like, this is all looking real high school bullshit. Oh my God. I was literally going to say the exact same thing. This sounds like a fucking high school triangle. I can't. This sounds like um, Degrassi. That's what it sounds like. (laughs) Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yes. Now, Jesse and Brian, when they talked, it was, she would talk about pretty much, you know, normal teen stuff. She'd tell them about prom coming up and how she was getting ready for it. She would complain about her mom. She talked a lot about her part-time job as a lifeguard. And then they would end the night cybersexing. She wanted to hide their relationship with with Thomas. Yes. So obviously Jesse wanted to hide her relationship with Brian from Thomas. 
But Brian talked her into being out in the open about them being together and them being an official couple. So they both posted about the other one in their online profiles. Wasn't clear on which one. I'm assuming Pogo. But Thomas saw this and he was pissed. He doesn't get a say. Well, he's mainly mad. This part I'll understand. He references Jesse yo-yoing him a lot. Where she'll be like, oh, I want to be with Brian. And then she'll get with him. And she's like, but I miss you so much. I miss my Tommy. You're all I have left of the Tommy. And then he signs online and they're like professing love. And then two days later, she's like, but I really want you. I don't want him. Like, that part I kind of get. Also, he's manipulated an 18-year-old. Yes. Literally, yes. That is, okay. Mm -hmm. I honestly have something against this because the fact that he would, I mean, I I don't know Jesse's personal life, you know, but when I was, you know, like this age and if that were me, you know, that would have been like my first love and shit, who would want that for their first love? You know, I mean, I'm sorry. We've all had, she's so, plus she's so innocent. Like she literally said yes to a proposal online, like over chat. I mean, she's so innocent. She's so naive. Right, he poor, it, poor girl. It feels like he's been grooming her. Like he's yeah. telling her, you know what I mean? Like he's That's what they do. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. Now Thomas also, he was pissed at Brian, not just Jesse, and he sent Brian chats saying, "I can't believe you chose her over our friendship." And another one that said, "You wanted her, you got her. Just tell her to leave me the fuck alone." Well, then block her, Jesus, if it's that big of a deal. Yeah. Exactly. When Brian was away on vacation and couldn't be on the computer, Jesse went back to Thomas saying she wanted to be with him and she was going to break up with Brian. So really what this girl is fishing for is attention. They got back together. I think a lot of it is adolescent confusion. Very true. Very true. Cindy said at this point in time, she would beg Thomas to get off the computer and he would just say back to her when I'm done. He was, Cindy at this point already knows like he's, he's, he's gone. cheated on her. Yeah. Like, she's trying to make this work for the sake of their kids. And he's just kind of like spitting in her face about it. And this during this time, his chat logs would be until like 545 in the morning. He was not sleeping. Because he would be, he would get offline and go to work. He would be at work and then get home and get right back on the computer. He was absolutely obsessed. He was also losing his mind. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. He would later go on to tell, I think it was 2020. It was like a drug. I was addicted to it. It being Jesse. I just, I, I couldn't just, just end it. And even though right now he was pretty happy. He was over the moon to be back with Jesse, the love of his life. He was still extremely verbally abusive to her. He called her a whore, amongst other things. He used a repeated, he used a racial slur, the worst racial slur, repeatedly. All throughout these messages after he gets pissed off at him. Her, excuse me. What racial slur is he using against her? Don't have this on the episode don't say it i don't want to hear it don't guess he said i, the I one don't with the hard er okay that's what i thought mm. i'm just confused uh, okay. how he's using it 
Like I, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess I am too because all of them are white. I'll, I'll go on to tell you. I'm almost there. Okay. So he finally promised to believe her if she promised never to lie. What? Never to lie about Brian again. And he actually told her, if I find out any lies were told to me, you will lose something very close to you. He told her that he was training for war. Oh my God. Back to the lies. He started, oh no, not, not, not as a Marine. He started working out for the first time in 15 years. He went to the gym for two hours a day and he ran five miles a day. He started time for that. I, I really don't know. I guess you, you save a lot of time when you don't sleep. It's like an extra eight hours a night. Also, I thought he was online. Like, that's... Yeah, at night. You go to work, you go to the gym, you run five miles, you get online. That's too much. Yeah. Way too much. I mean, at least you're dedicated about something. Uh, where was that? I'm sorry. Oh, there, the relationship with Jesse, it was more... It was... As sexually charged, if not more than the first time. So they're still sexting with both of them knowing their actual ages. Um, that screen name that I told you about, there were chat logs of him going from cussing her out, verbally abusing her, if you talk to Brian, I'll leave you, to how much he loved her, to telling complex analogies about his snake and her West Virginia fox. Ew. I have a special sound for that one. Hold on. Let me clear my throat for this. (laughs) Disgusting. Yeah. Is is that it? Is that all you cleared your throat for? Just to say disgusting? Oh, there we go. (laughs) There we go. No, I kind of only got half of it. You know, it was just like... "Eh." I was a little aggressive. It's because I was disgusting. Nobody wants that. No, no. I read a lot. Okay. You can go to um, wired.com had a really, really good article on them and where you can read some of the chats. None of those, but you can still read through them. And it's just constant, like back and forth, childish bullshit. Like, dude, you are 40 years old. Leave this child alone and go read a book or something. Ugh. Ugh. The abuse that he kind of slung at her during this time, he was jealous of her online boyfriends. He threatened to post her home address online so the <clears throat> could find her easily, the racial slur. Um, another a text, or I'm sorry, a chat that he sent her on May 27th at 2.03, 2003 in the morning, 2006. And Jesse, if your boyfriend raped you and his friend helped out, I would have the best laugh I have had in a while. I still care for you a little, but I want you devastated. This is the shit he's telling this girl. This wait, is just one example. Wait, wait, wait. Repeat that one more time. I know that was awful, but I'm trying to process it. If your boyfriend raped you and his friend helped, I would have the best laugh I have had in a while. I still care for you a little, but I want you devastated. Who said that to her? Thomas. Her boyfriend. No. Well, yes, at this time. I think he was. So he is saying that he would have the time of his life if he raped her with his friend. 
He was if, talking about Brian Brian and her. Brian's friend. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think. I'm not going to lie. This is so damn confusing and convoluted. Because he literally goes back and forth. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I'm confused. Because, like, if he's talking about her boyfriend, isn't that him at this time? Even when she said she wasn't talking to Brian, he was obsessed with her talking. Brian, at one point, that he was talking to someone about, uh, I think the name was Steve or Paul or something. He was like, your boyfriend, Paul. And I'm just like, who the hell is Paul? I've never seen a Paul. I think it's literally anyone she talked to that wasn't a girl. He lost his shit. What if it was Paul, but it was actually Paula? It was Paul to him. Well, he's wrong. I am still honestly worried about who this Mary character is because I don't know. Oh. I have a feeling that it's going to be Jesse. Mary. That's, yeah. The other woman, I'll go ahead and tell you that's actually Mary's mom. Mary's, Mary's mom. Who, who is oh, Mary? I'm sorry. Mary is Jesse's mom. Okay. Jesse's mom. Gotcha. Yeah, she's got it going on. All right. Jesse's mom. I don't she's got it going on. <laughs> Now, during this time, Jesse, even with all the abuse, for some reason, she just keeps coming right on back. And at one point, Thomas threatened to delete Jesse from his life, and she begged him not to. Fucking do it, delete her, dude. So, summer 2006, Jesse tells Thomas she wants Brian back. She made a mistake. They're both younger closer in age they have more in common and she said she realized her mistake when she let brian go thomas loses his shit he's already hanging on by a thread here and he's he's gone he his chats around this time were a constant barrage of hate and abuse both to brian and jesse uh the timeline was unclear but according to the chat logs between jesse and brian Thomas tried to hit Brian in the parking lot of work with his car. Oh. And this is something that Brian told Jesse. And Brian asks if he should tell a boss. Yes. Y'all. Please do. Absolutely. Tell a boss. Tell a boss. Tell the police. Tell the priest. I don't give a shit. Tell tell everybody. Scream it from the mountaintops. Mm -hmm. One day at work, Thomas overheard Brian telling coworkers that him and Jesse actually planned to meet up and he was supposed to drive up to West Virginia pretty soon to meet her on his, on some weekend off. No, don't tell that in front of Thomas. Thomas did overheard and he was convinced that Brian and Jesse were going to have sex. And he is pissed because Tommy is supposed to be the one to pop her cherry. Uh, that is not up to him. Home slizzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Thomas, but you don't have a say in it because you are not Tommy. You are Thomas. You are not 18 years old. You are 46, maybe even 47 years old at this point. So shut the fuck up. How perverse of a person do you have to be to be like, I want to pop this 18 year old's cherry and it has to be me? You have teenage daughters. Y- her age basically like that's his oldest was four years younger than jesse that doesn't that doesn't make you uncomfortable in any way because it should now he would also like i said he would say horrible things to both of them he threatened to hurt brian 
He threatened to hurt Jesse, and he threatened her mother, Mary, over there. What did Mary do? He wanted to hurt someone close to her. Well, I want to punch him in the freaking... This is around the time of that I want you devastated text that I read. And on September 13th at 1.33 in the morning, Peaches, who is also Jessie, it's another screen name, she sent, if we don't talk, then I can't lie. And <clears throat> Thomas said... Fair point. I like her logic. Mm-hmm. Thomas said, you are a whore and that's all you will ever be. So you need Yahoo and Pogo to continue sucking guys' cocks on there. Yeah. Hey, who's the horse? Like, hold on, Holmes Lizzle. You're literally obsessed with an 18-year-old girl. You cheated on your wife. She's 18. She can do whatever the hell she wants. She is not married. You, on the other hand, have marital vows. You lied. You cheated. You fucking are hiding shit. Like, who's the whore? Because I don't think it's her. That is literally insane. What the fuck does he have against her? I mean, literally, you're the one who fucked her over. You're the one who fucked your life over. You're the one who literally did all of this shit to make people not like you. So you don't have any say in anything. So just shut the fuck up. <laughs> we don't like you. We don't like you, Thomas. Thank you. The end. So Peaches sends back to all of this. Okay, honey. And Thomas sends back. I'm not your honey. Brian is now. And Jesse sends, I love you and will miss you, Tom. And he says another lie. And she says, goodbye, baby. And he says, and whatever. The last message that she ever sent Thomas, that I found at least, was, I'm leaving now. And he said, sure you are. And he messaged her a couple more times that night and the next day, and she never messaged back. And on the morning of September 15th, Thomas called her and woke her up, but he was just belligerent. So she hung up. He was just yelling and screaming. And... He sent her those, this chat uh, is attached to the New Year's resolution on Friday, September 15th, and it starts with, are you here at 11.51 p.m.? And he goes on throughout the night of the 15th asking, are you waiting on your boyfriend? You can answer. Brian won't mind. Um, Brian was supposed to have met Jesse by this time, but she canceled it. And Thomas didn't know that. She had texted him a couple hours beforehand and canceled it and just said that she wasn't ready yet. That night, it was a Friday. Brian was one of the last people to leave work. And as he got into his truck, he was shot three times through the window, once in the neck. Police found him, this is fucking horrible, two days later when people started showing back up to work. He was slumped over. In his car, in a pool of blood, the back passenger tire of his truck was slashed. Police confiscated a peach pit and some shell casings that were at the scene. <clears throat> they began, I mean, pretty much immediately asking the people that worked there, hey, did Brian have any enemies? Of course. The co-workers have the tea. So they told them everything they knew about Thomas. Police kind of want to talk to Thomas. And they were worried for Jesse because they can't find Thomas. While they're searching for him, 
They use Brian's phone and they get Jesse's number out of it. And Lieutenant Ron Kenyon called her that night and warned her that she might be in danger. And then he calls the local police and they go to her address and knock on the door. It's described as this dingy white house. And Mary, Mary Sheeler or Shiler, I don't really know how it's pronounced. She's the one that answers the door and she tells police that Jesse's not there and she doesn't have a way of contacting him. Officer J.L. Kirk, he's the one, he's the cop that showed up on scene that day. He called Kenyon back in New York and told, told him what he said. And Kenyon was like, no, that can't be right. Because I just spoke to Jesse a few hours earlier. She has to be in that house. Yes, Bryce? So is the catfish being catfished? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Through, as he questions Mary, she starts looking more and more nervous. And eventually she tells him she has to admit something. Mary is 45 years old. She is described as plump with short brown hair. She refers to her daughter, Jessie, as her princess. Locals described her as one of the best parents around. She was a devoted cheerleader at Jessie's basketball and softball games. She claimed to only ever miss one game. And she missed that game because she was working the polls at election time. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say, like, she was stripping. And oh, I was no. like, oh, my God. Whoa. No, no, no. But we still don't like her. We still don't like her at all. Okay. She was also posing as Jesse online. She had been the one to have their, the relationships with Brian and Thomas, as well as multiple other people. It wasn't just these two. She was catfishing bull. Thomas, he was found and he was arrested on November 27th, 2006. He claimed he had nothing to do with it. He said he had gone to a local restaurant and got home between 10 and 10.10 p.m. And he said his family would vouch for him. His family did not at all vouch uh, for I, him. I wouldn't well, that would after stop. you cheated on me after. No, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> to be like, oh, my family will vouch for me. And then all of them be like, uh-uh, no, no. Yeah. Cindy actually told them that he got there about a half hour or more after what he told them. So at least 1030, closer to 11, somewhere around. That hey, was her listen, estimate. listen, you just cheated on your wife and you think she's going to have your back? Oh, Marital vows be damned at that there's, point. There's also two uh, Amazon documentaries, or I got them both on Amazon, just Tall Hot Blonde, T-A-L-H-O-T-B-L-O-N-D. No E. You can search it and they come up. In one of the documentaries, it, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. One's a documentary, one's a movie. But in the documentary, it plays a phone call of him in jail calling his daughter, asking her to just tell him I'm there. Tell him I'm there. If you don't, I'm, gonna, I'm not coming home for a long time. I'm going to be here a long time. Just tell him I, I was there that night. I don't want to You're fucking kidding. No. You would literally put that on your 14-year-old daughter. It didn't say which daughter, but yeah, either 14 or 12 years old. Even even worse. Mm -hmm. Fucking 12-year-old daughter? Are you hey, kidding? Homie, that just goes to show the amount of manipulation that you were capable of. Like your own daughter, you're sitting there and saying, if you don't do this, I'm not coming home. You're putting yeah. the guilt on your child. But listen to this part. As they're questioning him, they put a picture of Mary Shiler and they ask him, do you know who this is? And he goes, no. And they go, this is Jesse. 
And the the officer actually, or the detective, is a quote, says, the blood drained from his head and he turned the color of the walls, which was a pasty white. <laughs> Good. He was pretty much screwed because, spoiler alert, he's not smart. His cell phone records put him in the vicinity of the factory at the time of the murder. The peach pit found at the scene had his DNA on it. <laughs> and one, one source even said that when they took him in for questioning, he told him, hey, hold up. I've got to get my peaches out of the truck. They're going to spoil. Oh, my God. He's an extra idiot. Fucking there was, kidding. There was a gun missing from Thomas's gun case. And the FBI looked through the photo albums and they found another picture of that gun case. And... The gun that was in the photo, but missing from the case, matches the 30 caliber casings they found at the scene of the crime. So they have the peach pit. They found the gun, kind of, sort of, that matches the casings. They just don't know where it is, but they have proof that he used to own that gun. So that's something. Better than nothing. Uh, Not to mention all of the evidence on his computer, because he was keeping everything they got tens of thousands of chat logs pictures all sorts he was obsessed straight up he's my favorite kind of stupid yeah like honestly thomas montgomery and btk both just absolute morons Mm -hmm. btk question mark by and torture kill he's another serial killer that trust me i'm gonna get into (laughs) not this Um, story i hope no no Yes, right now. It's going to be another 14 pages. <laughs> Yay! Let's go! Oh my god, that's I'm excited! Took, that's after I took info out, too. I'm sorry. Every time we postpone recordings, I'm like, oh, I've got, like, another four days to research this. And then this How about happens. instead of you researching um, your current story, start on your next one after this? Well, I did, and then we postponed, and I was like, good, I can add this in there. <laughs> I know, it's a problem. Now, Thomas was held in Erie County Holding Center in downtown Buffalo while he waited for his trial. While he was in jail, his marriage fell apart. His wife stopped visiting in March, and that's when she divorced him. Good job, Cindy. Hope you're thriving. And in April, he got a letter from his daughter saying that they didn't want anything to do with him anymore. So he tried to commit suicide by taking a bunch of sleeping pills that he found in somebody else's cell. Brian's parents at this time, uh, or around this time. Good for those kids literally just saying, like, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. Because, I mean, the fact that he would cheat on his wife when his kids were literally only four years, six years younger. I mean, shit, I probably would have done the same thing. Do you really need to? Okay, I'm not going to say that. but. I don't feel bad for him at the end of the day. He put this on himself. He is the one who literally said, yeah, you know, I'm going to talk to this 18-year-old. And he literally was the one who broke his family apart. So I don't feel bad for him at all. Regardless if he tried to kill himself, I, I still can't say that I feel any sympathy whatsoever. You made your bed, lie in it. Exactly. Brian's parents, they were quoted saying, my or his dad specifically, sorry. My wife and I don't understand how this could happen to our family. 
we don't understand how such evil could exist in the world to gun down a boy over a simple over simple jealousy does not make sense and they did i believe it was his dad uh gave a victim impact statement at the sentencing he didn't go to trial i'm sorry i was thinking of the word thomas did plead guilty he then fired his lawyer after he was sentenced and tried to take it back but that's not how the criminal justice system works so they did not approve his appeal he is still guilty just like he said he was prosecutor frank sedita pushed for the maximum sentence of 25 years he describes thomas's pursuit of jesse as almost predatory almost predatory Okay, technically it was almost predatory because, well, if she would have been two years younger, he would have groomed her. I still feel like she could have been. If she would have been one year younger in a lot of states, he would have groomed her. Mm -hmm. But I still feel like he did. Well, I guess in his mind, he would have been because in his mind, she was 18. The only reason it's almost predatory is because he wasn't talking to an 18 year old. Like, that's all it comes down to is he wasn't actually talking to her. So I guess it's not predatory. But ultimately, like, he, I still feel like he's a predator. Regardless of her age, she can be 70 years old and he is still a predator in my eyes. Like, it doesn't matter. I agree with that. I mean, the fact that she stayed with him literally after he said those terrible things to her. Yeah, he was definitely Mm -hmm. a predator. Hands down. Bull caca. Mm -hmm. All. Uh, Prosecutor Frank Sedita, he was also quoted saying, the chats reveal an obsessive desire to make Brian Barrett suffer. Thomas's lawyer claimed Thomas's fantasy and reality blurred. And this is a quote. Up until September 2006, this was a man who held his head high. By September 2006, call it an obsession, call it an addiction, call it what you will. He was suffering from a diminished capacity of some sort. Stop it. No. He was... Stop. I get it's his lawyer and that's his job or whatever, but my goodness, just stop it. Mm -hmm. I remember at the very beginning, he said that he was... It was a word that started with an I and it meant like... Impotent. Impotent, yeah. That means he can't get hard. Yeah, he can't. He can't sexually perform, yeah. Oh. Well, I knew I should have asked about that. Shit. Yeah. Okay. That just well, means I, his... I thought that meant like, you know, his brain had some problems. Well, no. his brain has some problems, but no, that was just his PP wouldn't get hard. Yeah. So there's a, there's a billboard in Utah that I pass. And every time I pass it, I giggle because it says gone limp. <laughs> so that sounds like the fucking Allegra commercial. It's Not Allegra. about erectile. Allegra, right? Viagra? Viagra. Viagra, that's it. Yeah. Why did I say Viagra? Blue pill. Yeah. Um, well, it makes me laugh because it is about erectile dysfunction. So, like, mm-hmm. like they have. <laughs> Cody just heard me say erectile I mean, it's the thing. Who came running and, like, what are that? From people who have it, but not for him. Fuck him. Yeah. He sucks. He was also sentenced to 20 years in prison. He How was does that not feel like it's enough. It's not enough, honestly. I don't think so either. And I, I, y'all, I freaking looked. I cannot find anything. Because this was in 2007. 
he should be getting out here in a couple of years or at least be eligible for parole. And I could not find absolutely any information on him. And it pissed me off. Brian's parents said about the sentencing, we were hoping for more. But to be honest with you, we were prepared to take the 20 if we had to, which is just. That's not enough. Is it maybe, is it like a minimum of 20 before he's eligible for parole? And then after that, it's reviewed? Like, that's not actually his term? Uh, I'm not sure. I couldn't find much info on the sentencing either. It was kind of, it's weird how little I was able to find at the end of this. But most people were just kind of interested in the catfishing part. But he was, uh, he later pled guilty to first degree manslaughter. And he was sentenced to 20 years in prison. A lot of it could be, too, because he pled guilty. He didn't go to trial. If he would have went to trial, they probably would have ate him alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that also makes me feel like he was able to make a plea deal, is what it sounds like to me, where, obviously, this is speculation, but it sounds like he made a plea deal with the, uh, what are they, the prosecuting attorney? Yeah, prosecutors. Um, and not necessarily... I guess um, it sounds like he made a plea deal and that's how he got such a low sentence is they basically said, okay, if you plead guilty, we'll basically accept your plea of the, what was it? Diminished responsibility. Diminished responsibility. Fuck that. Diminished capacity. Diminished capacity. But I mean, still they're saying it's diminished responsibility Mm -hmm. at that point. So that's what it sounds like to me. And I very well, that's just speculation. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of that's right. A lot of this that I feel like probably goes into it too is he didn't have a criminal history before this. This is which is even more scary because he went from doing nothing. He went from like teaching Sunday school and going to swim practice to grooming a child. Now, pretty much everybody involved in this situation wanted to charge Mary. The prosecutors wanted to charge her. Thomas actually said he thinks she should be there in prison right beside him, which, shut up, Thomas. Just shut shut your damn mouth. She didn't didn't kill kill anybody. Exactly. And that's what they came, that's what it comes down to. She, she never even told him to kill anybody. She never did any of that. She never alluded to it. Nothing. That's why she's, it's your fault, Thomas. You chose this life. I even I don't even think that they had a sentencing for catfishing at this well, no, point, which they not, very well should. No, well, no, because here's the thing: I don't think not, they have one to this day. Well, it's technically not illegal to lie. Like you're yeah. allowed to legally lie, but like, it is allowed not, to impersonate someone else, and she was technically impersonating her own. I don't daughter. think it's illegal That's to impersonate illegal. someone else. Yeah, otherwise there'd be a lot of comedians in jail. I yeah. mean, they're definitely. It definitely okay. is, you know, if you, like, steal their credit cards and stuff. But that's but... identity theft. That's yeah, that's, not, that's a completely different level. We're talking mm-hmm. someone just using another person's pictures and pretending yeah. versus taking someone's social security and actually messing with their financial life. Mm-hmm. Like, that's very, those are two very separate things. Yeah. It's not illegal to lie about who you are. Like, go ahead and lie about who you are. No, the government doesn't care as yeah. long as you're not lying to them. Yeah, pop off, sis. Brian's parents, they were trying to get some kind of law established to where people would at least be held accountable if things like this happened. But as far as I've seen, they weren't able to get anything like that. So unfortunately it's she's in the clear. Um, 
She still to this day has never apologized to Jesse. Mary hasn't. Uh, her daughter? Her hus- yes. Her husband divorced her. And in the documentary, y'all, this guy seemed heartbroken because they he they had a, like a rough spot in their marriage and he thought they were working on it. He thought it was getting better. She never told Jesse and her husband that this happened. Jesse found out from friends that heard about it in the news and stuff. And Jesse went and asked her dad and her dad was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he said that he actually had to convince her that he didn't know her mom was doing this. So he obviously divorced her. Jesse does not Good. talk to her whatsoever. Um, she claimed that when she bought the Pogo membership, that's when she realized she was under Jesse's screen name. So it was an accident. She claimed that after she bought the membership to Pogo, it directed her to a kid's chat room and she just never bothered to correct the mistake. They're, they both feel like predators at this point. Oh, her mom is a shitbag. Literally, fuck her mother. Her mom took these pictures and stuff of Jesse. Jesse had no idea she was sending these pictures to people. Another example was somehow her mom got an upskirt photo and sent it to people saying, guys, do you like it? Okay. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's illegal. She was 18. It still feels illegal. But it wasn't under under her consent. Isn't that technically still illegal? Like people can't, I mean, there's like a certain, there's a fine line between using someone's genitalia in your photos and is it illegal for me to take a picture of you and send it to somebody no but it's illegal to use someone that you know right because okay so the reason that i say this prosecutors tried they could not find her illegal of anything here's the thing is you've got to think of it this way brie there is a whole ass show called catfish and people are sending nude pictures of one another that aren't even them to someone else all the time. And none of those people have come to prosecute. Like, none of that is illegal. If it's a child, then 1000%, yes, it is illegal. But none of, like, there's nothing to protect that. Which is even more gross because she's sending these pictures of her daughter with her daughter's name out to God knows who on the internet. What if somebody sees her on the street? Mm-hmm. What are you going to say? Hey, Jesse, this girl's going to say yes. That opens her up into so many dangerous and terrifying situations. Telling these people, sending them photographs of her playing sports. Okay, she's got on a jersey. It would be so easy, based on what she sent these people, to hunt this girl down. It's freaking terrifying. I mean, mm-hmm. in these days, yeah. But, I mean, I guess in the 2000s, yeah. Mm-hmm. Still, even. She, Mary, went on to claim that she was not in love with any of these men and she was deeply in love with her husband. She never meant for them to fall in love with her. She said, Tommy, she kept talking to Tommy because he was a child who needed someone to show they cared. And after finding out he was 18, he wasn't 18, she claimed she kept talking to Thomas to stop him from taking advantage of real 18-year-old girls. Oh, No, you weren't. Off. You shut your fuck damn mouth. Then why are you talking to Brian? 
she was talking to Brian because she said he was a sweetheart. And when he started flirting with her, she didn't know how to stop him without revealing her identity. Hey. So reveal your identity. Period. Not interested. It's all you got to do. Like, who cares? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, here's a thought. Maybe I'm married. Anything. Literally anything. Here's another thought. Maybe I'm not Jesse. I also lied. Because Mm -hmm. didn't she approach him, like, approach Brian to be like, is is this true that Tommy is actually not Tommy? Yep. Yep. So you're full of shit. Mm Mm-hmm. This poor guy died because two people were catfishing each other. And he just, he was the only one telling the truth. Like, yeah, he kind of played into the drama a little bit, but he's 22. He was a child. Mm -hmm. He was 22 years old and Thomas shot him and didn't even get 22 years in prison. This, this story made me so mad, y'all. I'm sorry. I know it was super long. I mean, that makes me mad too. The fact that 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 can even fucking happen. Mm-hmm. And it Brian's, just blows my mind. Brian's parents did say, uh, they were in the documentary too, that he was just, he was a great kid. He was always smiling, always laughing. He, they had no idea any of this was happening because his mom said Brian never complained. If there was something wrong, he would kind of just deal with it. Why the fuck you got to end it that way, Amanda? Because I just... It's, man, that sucks. Because both of these shitty people. And that is, too, why all of Jesse's pictures are blurred out. Because I'm not, she had nothing to do with this. And she still, like I said, does not talk to my, her mom to this day. And I don't blame her. And that's the story of what they call the original catfish murders. Like- I'll call my dad and see if he has any insight on legality and see what he says. Because at some point, that has to be illegal, right? Regardless if her daughter was 18, she, I mean, it is illegal to take pictures and post them online of people's genitalia, right? No. Regardless if they're of age. I to only, be hands down, not fucking okay. The, I, I feel like maybe taking a, a picture of a person's privates without their knowledge might be. But I also... So under the skirts. But also, I don't know, uh, it's it's a fine line where I feel like, okay, but also, there's public, there's, that doesn't mean that anything was hanging but out, that means that it saw, never that, means that, that means that it could have just been underwear, that type of stuff. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean, it, like, a bikini is the same amount of revealingness, you know? But at the same time, if it was their actual genitalia, then that would be a completely different story, right? I, I th- think so i don't know that's why i'm gonna ask my dad according so, to womenslaw.org taking video or photographs of a person taking s- or committing sexual acts or in a nude or semi-nude state without his or her consent is usually a criminal act if the pictures or videos are taken in a place where you can reasonably expect to have privacy so, so in your usually usually yes like if you're ex- if you're in a park and it's nighttime and you would expect to have privacy that doesn't count because you're never going to be you can't ever expect to have privacy in a park in a but, public space yeah if you're home no one should be taking pictures of you through your window however but if it was your her- mother taking pictures of you yeah that's sticky and and this is dated december 15th 2020 so i don't know if people updated their laws i would hope they did that's just fucking absurd to me. I 
I fucking can't. Not okay. At all. Bryce, that's your homework. Find out and let us know next recording. Dad, Dad, hey, Dad, when you hear this, we're going to have forgotten what we asked you. But um, if you could give me a call and let me know your thoughts on this, that'd be really great. Please do. We are all very curious. Preferably keep the insults to a minimum. Just asking. Think about it. Um, Yeah, thanks. As long as you still love me, that's all I care about. Oh, I don't um, care about love. I got enough. But love. but we we know that we're in. Just you know, let us let us know the end. Okay, bye. Okay, I want to delete all of this off of my computer. Free, <laughs> please tell us a story. Okay, for the love of God. <laughs> so, y'all know me. I literally just say the name right off of the bat. So this is the story of the Driscoll Hotel in Austin, Texas. Um, The Driscoll Hotel is the oldest operating hotel in Texas, or second oldest operating hotel in Texas, oldest operating hotel in Austin, Texas. The building itself, which was designed by Colonel Jesse Driscoll as a Romanesque style, completed in 1886. And y'all can go ahead... Yeah, another Jesse. <laughs> Y'all can go ahead and go to the first two pictures. I unfortunately forgot to put up pictures until the last minute. Bryce, I know that you were offline at this time. Um, those are only pictures of the hotel now. But oh, fancy. It, it's very fancy. It's known as one of, the, one of the most upscale hotels in Austin, in downtown Austin. Cool. Not, not, on, not in my price range. Gotcha. $350 a night, from what I understood. You cannot afford horrible. to breathe the air. It's not bad, right? $350 is a lot for well, one night. I mean, for an anniversary. a very upscale I'm hotel. I'm still not doing it. You know? Because I think I can go to the Wynn in Vegas for $200 a night. Yeah, paying for plane tickets, paying for food, paying for all that shit. It's well, that's not going to be me. That's going to be my husband. So it might happen. We don't know. <laughs> okay, so anyways... Jesse Driscoll was a cattleman who supplied beef throughout the duration of the Civil War, and in 1884, he spent $7,500 on a patch of land in downtown Austin. Soon after, he started building the hotel. The Driscoll Hotel is comprised of two interconnected buildings. The original four-story revival building that was constructed in 1886 and a 13-story annex constructed in 1930. The original building, and if y'all don't know this word, that's okay, because I don't two porticos on the southern and eastern facades, which contain large Richardson-style arches that were said to be the largest in the state of Texas. Do y'all know what porticos are? Is that the thing where it's... uh... Like the, the pillars, column things? Porch or entrance to a structure or covered walkway supported by regularly spaced columns. That's by Britannica.com. Okay, so it's not the columns, it's a porch held by columns. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. I was much. close. Okay. So the hotel originally opened with 60 rooms that included 12 corner rooms with attached baths and at this time, attached baths were very rare for hotels at, of the region at this time. So it was the highlight of the 
19th century, late 19th century. What was? Attached back? Attached, Attached baths. Ass, like bathrooms. Ah, that makes so much more sense. No, um, in the 19th century, no one had their back attached to them. It was pretty rare. True, true. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, get with the groove. Okay. I bet they would have uh, lost their head if it wasn't attached to them. <laughs> that was pretty rare, too. <laughs> the building itself was designed for actually separate entrances for men and for women. There were two entrances reserved for men. They contained a saloon, a billiard cigar shop, a newsstand, and a barber shop featuring baths. The women featuring entr- baths, like baths, 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 baths. Do do men take baths after going to the barber? That's I know that's just what I read. Guys, let us know, Dad. Dad, um, <laughs> I don't want to know. I'm kind of thinking that it was like a spa type thing for men, but not really a full on spa because, you know, that was considered a women's thing back then, quote unquote, doing the little hand quotes, protect their masculinity. Exactly. Yeah. The women's entrance allowed female guests to essentially just walk directly to their rooms and avoid the hustle and bustle of all of these cattlemen in the lobby just taking up space and that the tobacco sounds, smoke in general. That sounds wonderful. I can go to my hotel room and not have to come across a man. Hello. God, hello. Right? I'm not wearing a bra to the ice machine. <laughs> I fucking wish. <laughs> the 13-story annex opens up in 1930. He, it was designed by an up. An El Paso architecture firm by the name of Trost and Trost. It contained 180 rooms and a bungalow penthouse that's only accessible from the roof. The bungalow contains two bedrooms with private baths, a living room, and a full kitchen. It was originally used for private residence by the superintendents of the Pacific Railroad. It was later rented out to high-profile guests, including Jack Jack Dempsey, Bob Hope, and actually President Lyndon Johnson. In 1979, however, the hotel manager kind of made it his own private residence and restored it to its original glory. Money bag. Y'all, I have in here in the middle smack dab in the middle of my history notes um a love story because i thought that this was really this was really cute in 1934 young lyndon baines johnson met claudia alta taylor on their first date they actually attended breakfast at the driscoll dining room and you could say it was love at first sight because he proposed to her that day after driving around austin they married only 10 weeks later the rest is Ooh. history. Bing, bang, boom. This is a Utah wedding. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Texas wedding. They continued Lyndon Baines Johnson and Claudia Alta Taylor, or otherwise known as Ladybird, continued to have a strong relationship with the hotel. And even today, visitors can stay in a room named after Lyndon Johnson. Not the president, but the lover boy? That is the president. The oh, I didn't, make, I didn't make that. Lyndon B. Johnson is Lyndon Baines Johnson. Yeah. 
His middle name is Baines. B-A-I-N-E-S, I think. That's how I spelled it. I don't know. But yeah, there you go. I didn't, yeah, I didn't do that addition to, to I get didn't that either. So <laughs> don't feel too bad. Shit, I'm sorry. I should have said just Lyndon Johnson. <laughs> um, okay. So a little continued history. So it opened up in 1886. On December 20th of 1886, the Driscoll held a grand opening, and it was featured in a special edition of the Austin Daily Statesman. However, in May of 1887, the Driscoll was forced to close the hotel because, wait, I'm sorry, let let me rephrase that. However, in May of 1887, Jesse Driscoll was forced to close the hotel because he could no longer operate it following the death of most of his cattle in a harsh winter and drought. He ended up selling the hotel to his brother-in-law, Jim Day, who reopened the hotel in late 1888. Soon after, George Littlefield purchased the hotel for $106,000 in 1895. 1895 and vowed it would never be closed again. That seems he, like a lot in the 1800s. It it was a lot of money. Holy I, crap. I, mean, I didn't do the research, but it was yeah. I mean like that's a lot now. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's actually like dirt cheap for a any house in Utah. Well, I mean, that's dirt cheap for like a hotel or a house for that matter. But I mean, think about how much that was in just just wait you'll you'll see how much people ended up spending on this place this place has porticos bryce that's a steal it no it's a literal steal <laughs> my house two bedrooms one bath was just appraised for three hundred thousand dollars what the shit that's because our house prices here are absolutely ridiculous jesus i shouldn't say it was appraised i should say that the state thinks it's worth three hundred thousand <laughs> government I'm just kidding. Um, after he vowed that it would never be closed again, he ended up investing $60,000 in renovations, including ceiling friscos, electrical lighting, steam heating, and 28 additional bathrooms, but still sold the hotel at a loss of $25,000 in 1903 to a guy named Wilmot. Could not find his first name for shit. But his name is Wilmot. I like Wilmot. We'll go with it. Um, Wilmot added a barbershop and a women's spa featuring Turkish baths. And honestly, y'all, when I read this, I thought that this was so cool because fuck Turkish. I mean, okay, baths, you know, I personally take baths like once a week. But fucking Turkish baths, that sounds like, I don't know, it just sounds ancient bath type. It just sounds amazing. I, I just want to go really bad. <laughs> um, he oversaw construction of the annex and he took out the smoking room. That's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. He took out the smoking room. In 1950, the hotel renovated the space once again and closed off the 6th Street entrance. Yeah. So... Essentially, the men's side was the Razo's entrance. The women's side was the 6th Street entrance. 
Oh, wow. So they weren't even close. This was not a place where you were going to meet your future husband. Unless you hung out around the other, the men's entrance. <gasps> That's taboo. <laughs> I'm just saying. You're a bad influence. Learned it from my dad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bryce. All right. Um, the Driscoll closed its doors to its guests in anticipation of yet another renovation in 1969, but this renovation really never went through. During this time, a lot of its furnishings were sold, and an American Statesman article actually declared that the Driscoll Hotel's fate was sealed. Oh. A.K.A. the hotel was due for complete destruction, wrecking ball, everything. However, at the very last minute, a nonprofit organization by the name of Driscoll Hotel Corporation raised $900,000 to keep it open. Holy crap. 1969, $900,000. I have no idea what that would be today, but. Oh, it's a lot regardless. Yeah, hands down. After this, on November 25th, 1969, the Driscoll was listed in the National Register of Historic Places. Fun fact of the day. (laughs) All of these are fun facts, but anyways, let's keep going. Um, In 1979, Braniff International Hotels Incorporated bought the hotel, and they began a $350,000 restoration and lobby. Braniff ended up reopening the hotel to the guests on January 15, 1973, and they held an official grand reopening celebration party about a month later. Over 100 guests attended this event, which included every Texas governor and or their descendants from 1886. All of the proceeds from this event went to the Austin Heritage Society, who was invested in keeping the hotel open to this point and on. In 1995, the Driscoll was purchased by Great American Life Insurance, who spent, do y'all want to take a gander? Four million. (laughs) 12 million. More than four million? 50 million. Oh. (laughs) 25 million. 30 million dollars to renovate and restore the hotel to its original glory. 350 bucks a night's a steal. Yeah, I was going to say after. Well, that's why it costs so much. Yeah. They got to pay off that $30 million. Jeez. Tell me about it. The hotel closed for four years and during this renovation and reopened for a sort of millennium celebration on December 30th, December 31st, 1999. And in 2013, the Driscoll was purchased by Hyatt Hotels Corporation for how much? Fifty million. A hundred million. Oh. One hundred and twelve. Down. Two hundred and forty. Oh. I said down. <laughs> Seventy-five. For eighty-five million dollars, who embarked on dollar renovation of the hotel? Crazy. I don't even have words. Because it was so popular, because 
Austin, I mean, Austin literally wanted this to become like one of the biggest cities in the country, you know, and I feel like nowadays it is. I don't know. I'm not, I'm biased, but because they wanted this so bad, because they wanted this historic landmark smacked up in the middle of downtown, they spent everything that they could to make this a thing, to make this so popular. I'm sorry if you already said, but where did all this money come from? Well, that's the thing. It was from specific corporations. So back when it was purchased for the first time, George, I don't exactly know George Littlefield. He ended up purchasing it for 106000 But um, after that, oh, also, I don't know where this corporation got it from. The Braineth International Hotels Incorporation. Um, no, they just spent $350,000. You know, I'm not 100% sure. Because I know that um, one company ended up just raising a whole lot of money for it to essentially spend 900k on renovations and just to restore it to its national to its original glory. And then after that, it kind of just went up in value. So probably just like donations and stuff, I'd imagine. Well, donations, yes. And I mean, who all has heard of Hyatt? The Hyatt Hotels? Mm-hmm. Okay, Amanda's drawing a blank right now. The Hyatt uh, Regency, it's fancy. It's not that fancy, but... Hyatt is essentially a huge hotel corporation that owns many, many hotels. Like, a whole fucking lot of hotels. Do they own, like, Holiday Inns and Holiday Inn Expresses? Do you know? Most they, likely. Mm, I don't think they do. They Okay. Um, because I used to work there, and I just thought it Marriott would be funny. Maybe Marriott owns that. I don't know. I just thought it would be funny if they owned that, and I didn't know. It was like my very first job right out of high school. I'll do some Googling. Get on the old Google machine. That old Google machine. I think Hyatt is the brand. Okay, so, yeah, it looks like it. Um, what other properties does Hyatt own? I yeah, okay, most all... The names are actually going to have Hyatt in them, except for the Driscoll Hotel. And it's actually currently owned by Hyatt Hotels Corporation. Um, I feel like that's different, though, uh, because it's like a historical landmark. Yeah. Okay, y'all. Now we're going to get into the hauntings. So, yeah, I honestly feel like my haunting, the, the one that I've personally experienced by the way, I've personally experienced one at this hotel for those of y'all who did not listen to our last episode that I said that I personally experienced one. Um, that was me. I didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Um, okay. Would y'all like to listen to the one that I have experienced or the one that, or all the ones that, um, everyone else's experienced. What's more intense? The ones that everyone else has experienced? I say start with yours and then build okay. the more intense right. ones. I feel you. I feel you. Okay. So 
And I swear this is going to be the only one that my parents listen to. But let's just, let's just say that they don't, okay? So back in 2015, my sophomore year of high school, my friends and I were very curious about these hauntings because the Driscoll Hotel has been around for so long. It's actually known very well for its hauntings in Austin. It's known for its historical landmark and how his what what am I trying to say for known his for being a, for haunt, its, a haunted location? No, for its historical importance, relevance, importance, relevance value. Yeah, all of the above. Um, more, but it's also known for its hauntings. So we were extremely curious about these. We actually had a friend who was literally obsessed with the Driscoll Hotel, y'all. And when I say obsessed, she would literally talk about it. Like if we mentioned, oh yeah, you know, I was at this hotel, like blah, 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 you know, scootering one day. And, you know, we like snuck up to y'all, my, my friends and I, we, we were, we were a little crazy. We sound you know, like and aliens. I, <laughs> and I snuck up to, you know, the, uh, the Hyatt Hotel and, you know, I like went, okay, don't. Actually, don't don't actually say that. I'm not actually going to give a name. Parents, Bree's parents. No, no, I'm, I know what you did. No, 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 I know no. what you I'm, did. I'm not. I'm not actually going to give a name. Yeah, can I guess? Work. You left a flaming bag of dog duty on the lobby of the hotel floor. <laughs> Who the fuck do you think I am? I'm yeah, not you really know, sure. y'all. We we went to this hotel, and you know, we we like went to the pool, like the rooftop pool, and you know, like we hung out and we took all these pictures and stuff, and it was legit. Did yeah, that, that was me and my friends when we were in high school. We were fucking cray. Anyways, <laughs> um, so she was literally obsessed with the Driscoll. So one night, we decided to check it out. There were probably about five of us or so at the time, and we all spent the money to stay a night there. At the time, I wasn't really sure this was a haunting but I'll I'll kind of just let y'all make the decision. So the entire time that they that we were there, I kind of felt this negative energy surrounding us, and I can't really explain it other than I just kind of got this sense of dread as soon as I went into the hotel. And I knew that it had nothing to do with myself because I was completely on the other side of it. Like it it doesn't make any sense, but it's as if as soon as I walked into the hotel, right, I was kind of on this side of the dread. And then it was just kind of surrounding me as if it were kind of like this grayish color surrounding my eyesight. If that makes any sense. Okay. Almost like an aura. Yeah, in a way, but it was the entire hotel. So it wasn't necessarily an aura. It was more of an atmosphere. Yeah. And kind of like a feeling is what I got from it. I don't know. Um, It felt as if someone or something was just kind of watching us. And that's really all that I have from my experience. And I know that it doesn't seem like much, but... It when you know, you know, you know. No, you know? because I feel like I still talk myself out of it. 
I'm like, no, yeah. that's just my imagination. Uh, nothing happened. Nothing. I do it too. Like a ghost would have to stand directly in front of me and slap me across my face for me to be like, all right, I saw something. That's not true because I saw that that knee before that ghost that showed me legs. So it has to be obvious. I can't recreate it. Yeah, that's how I am. If I like even like with if I'm home alone at night, because I do think there's some stuff in my house. I don't know what it is, but Cody. Um, Cody. <laughs> the issue is it's not him most of the time. Um, but I still, <laughs> I still try to like talk it away. I'm like, it's just in my head. Like that's just that didn't happen. It didn't happen, Bryce. It's okay. It didn't happen. No, I mean, I still remember this to this day, which is bizarre because it's been. Four, five, six, seven years since it's happened. I still remember it to this day. Oh, it definitely stuck with you. Exactly. I mean, it was just bizarre. Like, imagine, okay, so right now my light is tinted yellow, okay? So imagine walking into a room, seeing the light, seeing it hit you, imagining that it's tinted yellow, right? But instead of being tinted yellow, it's tinted black. So you can see everything, but you can't necessarily see it because it's not in the way that you think that you're supposed to see it, if that makes any sense at all. Kind of follow you. Okay. Well, let's get into the other hauntings. So I've got seven ghosts and... Well, I'll I'll mention this one first. So people have reported phantom smells of cigars coming from all around the hotel. And a lot of people believe this to be back when the tobacco shop was actually in store and running. And people kind of just smoking the cigars here and there, you know. Oh, like, I smell the cigars of people smoking. Somebody is smoking. That's really rude, ghosts. That's illegal now. Yeah, they didn't know that. Well, somebody needs to tell them. Somebody well, doesn't need to tell, tell them. them. That's rude. I I'm don't like the smell enough. of smoke. I'm not caring enough to call somebody out like that. Well, then quit your bitching. Okay. I'll call them out. <laughs> Anyways. um, Okay. Ghost number one. And this is probably my favorite out of all of them. But I'm just going to let y'all decide. So... Guests of the Driscoll report a young female poltergeist darting along the grand staircase. Is this the a story- picture? Yes, this is the picture. Sorry no, I fucking that. hate it. I hate it so much. So the story goes that in 1887, just one year after the Driscoll opened its doors, the four-year-old daughter of a U.S. senator was playing with this ball that he gave to her because he wanted to go on a conference call and... He just kind of gave her this ball just to, you know, entertain her while he was doing his own thing, right? Well, she ended up chasing this ball and tripped and tumbled down the grand staircase in the lobby to her death. Guests have reported hearing giggling and the sound of a ball bouncing near the staircase. And there was actually a documented sighting of this young girl playing with her ball at the hotel about a week after her death. Absolutely not. Samantha's father painted some excuse me Samantha's father paid someone 
to paint a portrait of her shortly after her death, and it hangs on the fifth floor of the Driscoll, and that's actually the painting that y'all see. Visitors say they get an eerie feeling while walking by the painting, and some even say that if you smile at her, she'll smile back. No! Hard pass. I honestly think that it is so sad. This poor girl fucking fell to her death. I mean, y'all are going to say that that's creepy? Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, you're still dead. Please. You're still dead. I'm sorry you're a little girl. I'm even more sad. I'm even more sad that you died as a little girl. Well, but yeah. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Like, I'm sorry. You need to go be with your own kind, which are the ghosties. I will actually get into that a little bit later. Um, Ghost number two. So... One night, a young soon-to-be groom canceled his wedding that was scheduled to take place in the hotel literally the night before the ceremony. The bride-to-be retreated to her room on the fifth floor where she hung herself. Visitors frequently report sightings of the ghost bride who is seen wearing her own wedding dress while wandering the halls of the fifth floor. Ghost number three. Exactly 20 years to the day, and in the same hotel room as the original suicide bride, a second young soon-to-be bride took her life in the bathroom. The young woman decided to indulge herself in a $40k shopping spree on her ex-fiance's credit card before booking a five-night stay at the Driscoll. A housekeeper actually found her walking up to her room with a heartbroken expression and took it upon herself to knock on the door and tell the woman, please let me know if you need anything. Soon after, the housekeeper returned to the room and noticed a do not disturb sign on the door. She ended up just getting this very panicky feeling and the housekeeper told the manager, but he couldn't find the key to open her door. So the door was just eventually removed. Unfortunately, the housekeeper found the woman dead. She held a gun in one hand, a pillow in the other, and proceeded to pull the trigger while holding the pillow to her stomach. She ended up pulling the trigger to her stomach, shooting herself in the stomach, and she used the pillow to silence the blow, to muffle the sounds. The young woman is said to be waltzing around carrying her shopping bag. This second rumored death gathered a lot of attention surrounding the hotel rooms 525. And that's the number that both of them stayed at 20 years apart. It's essentially become notorious for bad juju and karma. Ghost number four is actually Colonel Driscoll himself. He passed away just four years after the completion of his hotel, and it's believed that Jesse Driscoll's spirit remains alive in his namesake hotel. Over the years, both staff and guests have reported the smell of cigar smoke wafting through the air and lights flickering on and off on the hotel's upper floors. The lead singer for the group Concrete Blonde wrote the song Ghost of a Texas Ladies Man after he supposedly had an encounter with Driscoll himself while staying at the Driscoll Hotel. 
Ghost number five. Lyndon Johnson and Lady Bird frequented the hotel where they had their first date. And I know that I kind of said this at the beginning that they very much kept in touch with the hotel. They actually had visitors who claimed to have seen their ghosts dancing in the grand ballroom on certain days, which coincide with the days that they would visit. Okay, that's sweet. It actually is. And for some reason, when you said their names just then, when you said Lyndon B. Johnson and Lady Bird, I knew immediately. But well, when you said it earlier, it nobody knows occur. Lady Bird as Claudia Taylor, and that's who she was before she. Mm-hmm. Essentially, fun fact of the day Lady Bird, I know this because I wrote a report on her in like fifth grade, maybe. But Lady Bird actually got her name Lady Bird from planting flowers on the side of the highways in Texas because they were all so ugly. She didn't like them because they all had trash on the side of the highways. So she ended up creating this bill to plant wildflowers or what have you, blue bonnets. There are some pink evening primroses, a bunch of different flowers and stuff on the sides of the road so that people could actually enjoy their drive kind of cute i guess i liked it i don't know um okay ghost number six so among many other ghosts is peter lawless he works on the railroads and lived at the driscoll for 31 years until his death in 1917 some say his spirit still wanders the hotel lobby elevators the worst place yeah don't don't be an elevator with me because what if i think you're a real person and i'm like hey he can often does he breathe on people oh my god no. does he fart in the elevator oh god no. <laughs> y'all are fucking weird he can often be seen walking out the elevator checking his railroad watch nodding to the staff then disappearing Paranormal experts believe his spirit never left after he died. I don't hate that. He can, he can live his life. Okay, and this is the last haunting. Before the hotel even existed, this land belonged to Native American tribes who inhabited the area. The Driscoll Hotel sits right at 6th and Brazos. And according to local legend, this is where an artisan well was located that was considered one of the most sacred places to the Apache, Tonkawas, and Comanche tribes. Each tribe believes that the water in this well has the ability to contain both willing and unwilling spirits. Many locals believe this to many locals of Many locals believe this as the reason there have been so many hauntings within the hotel itself. The end. Thanks for listening. I hate that last sentence. It didn't click in my head. (laughs) It took too long to click. Many locals believe this as the reason there have been so many hauntings. Before that. Okay. Each tribe believes that this water has the ability to contain both willing and unwilling spirits. No. Which is why there are so many hauntings to begin with inside of the hotel. Because it was literally built on top of this well. Although, from what I read, it wasn't actually 
they didn't actually destroy the well. I think that it was destroyed long before this, before the actual building. But this water that flew through it essentially was believed to contain both willing and unwilling spirits. Yeah, because they say that flowing water um, tends to attract energy. So that makes You never sense. know, right? I keep thinking of... Um... I can't think of, I don't know what it's called. I can't remember what it's called, but the river that goes through the underworld with all oh, the souls. Uh, I know what you're talking about because it's in Hercules. Yeah, it, that's what I was thinking of the cartoon. Um, 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 what um, is it? Is it like six or six? Six. Or six. S-T-Y-X. Yeah, like the, like the number, but not. Wait, no. The like River of Hades. Oh, duh, because there's a place in Alabama called Sticks River where everybody goes and gets drunk as shit and floats down the river on tubes. Okay, gotcha. But this there's is the river literally a river in Texas, and it's called think, the San Marcos River. I think also the Cumball River. I think there's one in every southern state. Yeah, I think there's one in a state that has a river. Yeah, yeah, there you well, go. And if there's I'm not, really they good. make one. Um, use a slip and slide or just a series of um, kiddie pools and make your own little lazy river with some guard geese in there. <laughs> I don't hate that idea. Say it, then you have your own. Y'all, I'm, I'm sorry. This is severely off topic, but it's super quick. I saw a video today that I'm going to have to send to y'all on Facebook. And it's about this guy that swims or no, he walks across a log and gets on this little island type thing. And he's like celebrating and then a goose flies at him. Y'all, he decks this goose. He punches it so hard. It was the funniest thing in the world. Just straight out the air. Honestly, I feel like Bryce would hate that video just because of the goose. No, I just don't want it. I don't want it near me. I don't care if someone else is near a bird. I just don't want it near me. Uh, There you go. Like If you're holding a bird on the monitor, I don't care. It's not in my, it's not within five feet of me. I'm fine. (laughs) I'm social distancing from the birds. So we're good. Good. All right. Well, that's the end of my story. Thanks for listening. It wasn't that long, but I'm glad that y'all enjoyed it. All right. All right. I know well, what a portico is now. You yeah, so there you go. Too. Something with pillars and roofs and porches. Um, you'll have to listen back. Well, thank yeah. you all for listening to Hell on Hills podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Hills podcast or Twitter Hell on Hills pod. Or Facebook, Hell on Heels Podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Hell on, Hell on Heels Podcast. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. I know it's a tall order. There's a lot of things, but do all of them. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon, where we're working to release specials for Patreon. If you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or words of encouragement, please email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell, tell your friends to listen with you. And this has been Hell on Hills Podcast. Before I say bye, Bria's raising her hand. Yes. Um, I'm sorry, y'all. It's actually required now for y'all to go and subscribe to the Patreon and to tell your friends about us. So go ahead and do that. Or... Um, Spotify or Apple Music or whatever you're listening to won't actually let you listen to us anymore. So, yeah, thanks. I think that's a Brie rule, but that's not a me and Amanda rule. That's, but thanks anyway. That's a Brianna rule. Yeah, that that's true. Um, okay, but yeah, um, just just letting y'all know, it's required for me 
Maybe not for Bryce and Amanda, but for if Brianna, you want to be friends with Bree, you have to do all of those. For me and Amanda, we're just appreciative that you're listening. So I gotcha. Yeah. Whether you're here oh. or not, I'm still gonna talk. So yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys all for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.